Well, good morning to you all, um, and Merry Christmas to you. Thank you. They, that's right. And no doubt, this morning has already, I hope, brought a lot of joy and happiness to you and to your family. Um, there may be stockings that were one, that were full earlier this morning that have already been emptied by anxious kids, and uh, there may have already been some gifts that have been exchanged and ripped open and and, and assembled and only to discover the batteries weren't included, and so I'm sorry if that letdown happened to you this morning. Maybe you've already enjoyed a, a special meal, a breakfast meal together as a family, and, and so uh, those are many joys. I mean, there, it's, been, it's been a happy occasion, honestly, just to, uh, I didn't know who would be here today, and to see uh, familiar faces that we've been gone for a week and a half, and so some of you, just, it's just been a little while, but some of you, it's been a long time since I've seen you, and so we have kids that are back, and family members that are here, and so it's that's, that's a source of joy for us this morning. But I, I know also, uh, and I'm mindful of this, that, that intermingled with the joy of, of this, this day, there, there may be some sadness, there may be tears for, for some of you. There, there may be the sadness of people that you love that are absent from this year's family gathering for any number of reasons. Or maybe you're the ones that, that are absent from family gathering far away. Um, maybe you're thinking, as we've been looking in Ruth, maybe you're, you're thinking today about some dark and frowning providences that have entered your life this year that you weren't experiencing last year at Christmas, but you're just thinking back over the year. And, and so maybe that's, that's mixed in with this. But, but I want each and every one of you to know what we just sang. I want you to know joy today. I want you to be able to rejoice in the Lord, no matter what is going on in the swirling mix of your mind today, I, I, I want you to know the real joy of Christmas. Not, not just some kind of, kind of a shallow happiness that, that, is, that is tied to uh, your circumstances and, and what kind of day this is for you and what's going on in your life today. Not that, but a, but a, a deeply rooted, abundant, enduring joy. That's, that's my prayer. That's how I've been, as I've been thinking about this this morning, and, and I had time yesterday just to kind of sing through these songs. Patrick sent me the order of worship, and, and, and he and Eric have been working on this this week, and so I didn't know what, was, what to expect, and so I'm singing through those songs, reading through the scripture verses, and, and, and looking over my notes and just saying, God, help us give, give a, a large measure of joy in our hearts today, and, and that's just how I'm praying even now. Joy is a central feature of Christmas. As, we, as we've read through the, the account in Luke 1 and 2, it shows up again and again, rejoicing and singing and praising. This is, this is right in the middle. And the source of that joy is found in the passage that Mike just read a moment ago. It's in, that, it's in when this majestic, angelic being makes this announcement to these poor Jewish shepherds out in fields tending their flocks at night on that very first Christmas night. That's, that's the source of this real abiding joy. And so look with me. So we had a couple verses this morning in Luke chapter 2, and uh, three points, and we'll, we'll continue to sing, and, 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 and then we'll, we'll go from here. But Luke chapter 2, verse 10, draw your attention there if you've got a copy of the Scriptures in front of you. And the angel said to them, Fear not, and... and if you know anything about angelic appearances in Scripture, this is how angels always begin their, whatever, there is, whatever it is, their, whatever message they're sent by God to deliver, it always begins with, don't be afraid. Why? 
because they were scary. It's not cute little winged babies. These are frightening creatures of God. They're not scary because they're, they're um, scary looking in the sense that they're ugly and they're evil and some, like some monster that we see on, you know, in the movies today. That's not it. It's that they're, they're so majestic and so pure and so different from human beings and, and they reflect the very glory of God. And so it's a frightening thing to have an angelic appearance like this. And so this angel appears, fear not. And you imagine those shepherds. Just put yourself in the sandals of those shepherds for a moment. There you are in this dark night and the you know, blaring of sheep around. And, and, and you're there. Maybe you just got a small flicker from a fire there. And, and then in an instant, it's as bright as daylight. And this being that you've never seen before in your life is standing in front of you. The, the, the other, other places in Scripture describe the appearance of angels like lightning. So just imagine this just instant out of the darkness, boom, here's this radiant light coming off this angel. It was enough to scare anyone. So that's saying, don't be afraid. And then look at the message that comes. For behold, see, look at this. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And so as we're, as we're considering joy this morning, there, there is a there is a wrapped gift that you need to open this morning to give you joy. And it's not that game system that you think is wrapped in paper under the tree. You can't wait to get home and see. It's, it's God's gift of a Savior wrapped in, in just simple rags lying in the hay of an animal's feeding box. That's the gift. This is the, the, the greatest joy of Christmas for you, for me, Greatest joy today comes through receiving and in relishing God's greatest gift, Jesus Christ. And that's what we want to do this morning. That is simply it. I just want us to enjoy Christ and to come and see with wonder again so that our hearts can be filled with joy, no matter what's going on in your life today. And even if, I, I realize, and I've alluded to this earlier, but even if you haven't received Christ as your Savior and you think this is hogwash, there, there, I know there, is, there are good feelings this time of year. There's a song, it's the most wonderful time of the year. That's about as much as I'm not going to sing any more than that. And it sings on and on about, you know, different things. And I, hey, it's a good song. And, and you got carols and you got, you know, you know, scary ghost stories. I never understood that part. That's not part of our Christmas tradition. But uh, you got all those things. And, and, but it says nothing about Jesus. And so it's a, it can be a happy time without bringing in Christ uh, to, the, to, to the Christmas story. But it's, it's good to be with family and friends. There's foods that are associated with Christmas, which are always good and tasty and we enjoy, and there's exchanging gifts. But I'm talking about something different, something, something deeper, something better, and that, this, this abiding joy. And so that's what we see in this angelic announcement. Why, why does the angel describe the news of Jesus' birth as great joy? That's the question. Why is he describing as great joy? First reason, two, three things. This news is good, and it brings great joy, first, because it's true. 
It's true. We're not talking about religious fiction here. This is not a, this is not a fairy tale. Jesus wasn't born once upon a, a non-specific time in a make-believe land far, far away. No, we're, we're talking about real people in a real time, um, in a real place, doing real things. This is how this account is given to us. This is what the angel says. He was born on this day, a day, in this city, the city of David, Bethlehem. And so this is true. It's real. The good news is only good if it's really true. Um, if it really happened, as it was recorded to have happened in, in the gospel accounts. So that's the first thing that makes us such a good Good news that the angel brings. It brings such great joys because it's true. Um, and so, I mean, just think of If I called you today or called you this afternoon and said, hey, man, I've got great news for you. You've just inherited $5 million. So what I need you to do, I need you to take off work tomorrow, meet me at uh, Wessels and Dixon's law firm, and, uh, and, and we're going to sign the paperwork. And so this is, this is great. And so you take off work. In fact, you quit your job and say, forget it. And so you show up, and Jeremy's there, and he's got a conference table and a stack of official-looking papers, and he's there in his power attorney suit and all that stuff, cufflinks and all. And there, and we, we get down, we sit down, and, and, and then I say, I was only kidding. It's a joke. It's just a setup. I was just playing a little trick on you. Well, that wouldn't be good news, would it? <laughs> I, don't think you would, I don't think you would hug my neck. You would probably punch me in the face. Um, but that news is worthless if it's not true. And, and, and this is what we're saying. Just the, the news that Christ is born as a Savior is nothing more than, than, than a sick religious joke if it's not actually true. We are wasting our time today being here if this is not true. If it's just a nice legend that warms our hearts once a year around Christmas time, and, and, and then let's just do away with it once and for all. But if it is true, and it is, then, then we, need to, we need to believe and we need to act accordingly. And so, so that's, the, that's the first thing I want to see. And so Luke, he wants us to know it's true. It's this day, the city of David, and, and, and throughout Luke's gospel account, he's go, he goes to great lengths to show that what he has recorded is actually true. And the gospel opens in Luke chapter 1, verse 3. He's just saying, I investigated everything very carefully that I'm about to write for you. I, I had, he is an eyewitness, and he, he interviewed other eyewitnesses' accounts. I, I imagine him sitting down with Mary herself and describing he sings. Maybe he talked to the shepherds. I, I mean, that's not speculation. That's just, it, it very well could have happened. That's how, he, that's how he went about laboring to write this gospel account under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So it's true. They have all these prophecies, Old Testament prophecies, that are fulfilled to the T related to the events of Christ's birth. So, so it's, if, if it's true, and it is, if, this, if, this, if God has so acted in history, then this is good, joy-producing news. That's what I want you to see. So that's the first thing. This news is good. It brings great joy because it's true. Secondly, this news is good and it brings great joy because it's about a Savior. It's about a Savior. A Savior is what we need more than anything else. I know there's things that you think you need and you are hoping are under that tree. And you, you, you think that you need to be happy. But the thing that you need more than anything else is a Savior. And what, what you need most, God has provided. A Savior has been born. 
And so we see it in verse 11 again. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now to say you need a Savior and that I need a Savior means that we, we require salvation. There's something about our lives that, that we're saying we need deliverance from something. We need to be saved from something. What is it? What is that condition? What do we need to be saved or delivered from? What's the... It's the just penalty of our sin. That's, that, was, that was the condition that required a Savior to come. Though we were made to love God, we were made to be in this close relationship with God. Because of our sin, and yes, all of us have sinned, Romans 3.23 tells us. Because of our sin, we were separated from God and alienated from Him. And, and we face an eternity filled with nothing but uh, justified wrath because of our sin. That's, that's the condition that we were all born into. But, as 1 Timothy 1.15 says, Christ Jesus came into the world. That's Christmas. He came, He entered into this world to save sinners. It's a Savior that's been born. We needed it. He came to deliver us from the doom that we were all born facing. And, and, and He is the only one that can save us. He is an utterly unique Savior. And you see that in the description. A Savior is born to you who is Christ the Lord. He's Christ first. Christ is the, Old Test, is the New Testament equivalent of the Old Testament word Messiah. So it's the, it's the Greek word for that. It means sent or anointed one. This is the one that the, the Jewish people had been longing for and hoping for and anticipating that God would send this deliverer who would be the Messiah, the anointed one, and set them free and set the nations free. And what Luke is saying, he's the one. He's the one you've been looking for. He is the Christ. He is the promised one. He is the God sent, God anointed, God promised hope of Israel and the world. And so, that's, so he's unique in that way. Second, he's qualified to save us because he's the Lord. He's the Lord. He's Christ the Lord. The same word used here is also used in Luke 2.9 and in Luke 2.23. And, and in every case, it refers to God. So when he says he's Lord, he's saying he's, he's God. He's fully God. God in human flesh. We, we sang this, uh, the one who holds the stars in place is, is, is laying now in the hay. I don't remember the words exactly, but I just thought that, that's a very graphic and, 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 and powerful uh, words that we sang, those are powerful words we sang, just showing that this is God holding all things together and yet fragile and tiny and a baby. And so it's just mind-blowing. But he is, he is the Lord as he's laying there. If he'd only been man, he would not have been able to save us because, because he, his death would merit nothing beyond himself. So he had to be Lord. He had to be God only God could deal with this great problem of sin and the condition that we're in. And then finally, he's qualified to save us because he's fully man. He's fully God, fully man. He, he was literally a baby born in literal Bethlehem. We made this point just a moment ago. He didn't descend from the sky on angel dust or something like that. No, he was, he was miraculously conceived in, in Mary's womb by the Holy Spirit, but he developed just like any other baby in the womb. And, and, he, and, he, and, he, and he, just like anybody else, so you get into verse 12, and this will be a sign for you. We'll find a real baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a real manger. 
So he's, he's really human. Fully God, fully man. What a wonder. He's the only one. That's the only one who could save us. It's this combination right here. And he is it. As man, the representative man, he could bear sins of the human race. Hebrews 2, 17 says that he had to be made like us in order to, in, in, in every way, in order to deal with our problem of sin. He had to be like us. He had to be man. And so as God in human flesh, Christ is unique in all the world. He alone qualifies to be the Savior of the world. And that makes this good news of great joy. One final reason that this, this angelic announcement, this news is so good and that it brings such great joy, and it's this, is that it's for all people. It's for all people. Verse 10, we see this. The angel said this news is not just for the shepherds. He's not just saying this is great news for you guys. No, it's for, for all the people. It's for everybody. The good news is for Jew and Gentile alike, for all and anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. This is for everyone. The gospel is the power of God, salvation for everyone who believes. And so it applies to every single person, every one of you in this room. This this good news of great joy is for you. It's for all people. And it, it has the power to transform anyone who believes this message. And so you can put your name into verse 11. For unto Justin is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And unto you, and unto you, you, every one of you, Savior has been born, Christ the Lord. Now, to really understand the, the, the greatness of this news that, that brings such great joy, you have, to, you have to understand why Christ came. You have to go beyond the cradle. You have to go beyond the manger scene to see where the life of Jesus is going. And so quickly, just say a couple things. And the sum of it is this, is that Jesus was born to die. He was born to die. That's strange, isn't it? I mean, if you have a friend, and we have had recent babies born in this room, I hope that if you went to visit one of these young, these, these new parents or this new parents of this newborn, you don't go to the hospital and, and see this healthy baby and start talking to the parents about, well, how do you think he's going to die one day? You know, that would be a little weird and uh, scary. So please, if that's, your, if that's your strategy, just stay home, okay? Um, you don't put on a birth announcement, born to die. It's true. Every baby that's born is going to die one day. But that's, that's, not, that's, not, that's not what you lead with. But we're, talk, we're not talking about any baby We're talking about one who's destined not just to die, but to die a unique death. And and so we say, why did Jesus come? Why was he born? Why did he live on earth as he did? It was to die. Bethlehem happened so that Calvary could happen. That's, That's what Scripture reveals. He was only a baby so that he could grow to be a man and die for our sin. Pastor John MacArthur says it this very powerfully. Those soft baby hands fashioned by the Holy Spirit in Mary's womb were made in order that nails might be driven through them. Those chubby feet, pink and unable to walk, were one day to walk a hill and be nailed to a cross. 
That sweet head with sparkling eyes and eager mouth was formed in order that someday men might crush into it a crown of thorns. That tender body, warm and soft, wrapped in swaddling clothes, would one day be ripped open by a spear to reveal a broken heart. And that's exactly why God made that body. Jesus was born to die. You see, his, his, his death was not simply an unfortunate ending to a good life. That's not the story. It was why he came. He came to be born, to live, to die, to take our punishment. He died temporally in time and space so that you and I don't have to die eternally. This is why he came. And so he died for you, friends. God loves you. He loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his son into this world to take the punishment that you deserve for your sins. And yet he didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead on the third day. And so that he, gives, he gives life, eternal, abundant life to all who call upon him and, and trust in him and receive the gift of, of his salvation that he came to bring. So if you've not done that today, I invite you to do that, to talk with someone that you're here with, to talk with me and afterwards. But, but I hope that, that this Christmas you will know a joy that first comes just from believing in Christ and having received this greatest gift of salvation that Christ came to bring. But even for those that have received that gift and, 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 and you only do that once, that there is, there is the need for us to, to relish, to delight in, to enjoy to revel in the goodness of the salvation that has come through Jesus Christ. And so we, 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 we all have to, looking back on this scene, it, it should provoke in us again joy. That's what we want. And so how do we respond to, to these events, to these few verses, to this announcement, to what's going on in this manger scene? Let me just give you four ways to respond. And just like the shepherds, and the first one I've mentioned already, but the first one is faith. But even if you've received that gift by faith, we need to believe. We need to continue to believe in Christ. Believe more deeply. You, 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 they, these shepherds, they clearly believe the angels' words because what do they do? They leave their flocks, which shepherds don't do. They leave them in haste and go to the place and to see and with their own eyes that the, the promises that this angel has said are true. So they go and they believe the words of this angel and they go. We need that kind of believing, brothers and sisters. We, this deep, abiding trust in Christ in, in whatever circumstances. Second, proclamation. They, these shepherds, they make this good news of great joy. They make it known to all people. They tell people about it. They, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. So they're talking to people about it. They talk to Mary and Joseph and others that are gathered there, and they, they talk widely about it. Once you've seen the Savior through eyes of faith, you can't stop talking about him. And so this is part of it. Even today that Christ should be on our tongues as we're around the table enjoying meals and talking about and rejoicing in Christ together, proclaiming the fact that a Savior has come. And then there's praise, another response of the shepherds, praise. They went back praising and glorifying God, the text says. I mean, you, even as we read through this Luke 1 and 2, and, and if we read the, every verse in, in those passages, we'd see it even more. There's all kinds of singing associated with the incarnation. There's all kinds of praising and glorifying God. 
And even in our celebrations, we're singing a lot this morning. We're going to sing some more. That's how we're going to conclude our service. But I would just beg you to fight the tendency that we all have to kind of slip into neutral. We, we, we know these words, familiar carols, and, 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 and we just can kind of mindlessly mouth the words. But I would say get, just grab hold of these truths that we're singing and, and, and make sure your mind is fully engaged with what we're singing, expressing to the Lord and turning praise back to Him for the fact that Christ has come. And then finally, how do we respond? How do the shepherds respond? With mission. With mission. And that's what I mean. It says that the shepherds went back. They went back glorifying and praising God. But where did they, where did they go back to? Did they go back and sign a book deal telling their, this amazing account that they had with this encounter with this angelic being? And, and, uh, or did they go and, and, and to CNN and give an interview? Did they go and start raising money to build a, build a cathedral on the spot where Jesus was born and have people come from miles around and worship the dirt on the ground? What did they go back to? They went back to their sheep. They went back to work. They, 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 they went back to, to life. It's kind of a letdown, isn't it? <laughs> we don't know their names. We don't know anything else about them. We don't know what else happened. All the incredible things they saw, and they go back to the routine job they were doing before this all happened. They, they, they went back to their jobs, but they went back changed. They went back rejoicing in the Lord. They went back with this, this good news on their lips that they're proclaiming to others. And I, I just say, God, God doesn't call us necessarily to some constantly spectacular, flashy, exciting life. He calls us, go back. Go back. He calls us to, to believe the Savior, and then He sends us back into the routines of our life with a message on our lips and with a song in our hearts and praise to God. We go back and we live for him, whatever, wherever he's placed us. And so that's true for us. Monday will come tomorrow. Some of you have to be at work, 9 o'clock tomorrow morning, 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. And maybe some of you get, a, get another day off or something like that, but you, you'll go back. But that, that's, not, that's not a bad thing. That's, that's how it should be. We, we believe, we remember Christ, and then we, we continue that remembrance, and we carry that with us. We carry this joy with us, and we go wherever we live. We go to our families. We go to our neighborhoods. We go to our places of employment. We go to our schools, and we have this message to say. This is good news. This is good news for all the world. This is good news that the world needs to hear. This is good news that we need to treasure in our hearts. And I pray that this news makes you full of joy today, and not just today, but, but as days go on. No matter what real sorrows may be present in your life today, I pray that God would give a large measure of joy. For behold, the angel says, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would um, arouse in us, God, resources of joy that we didn't even know we had, because some may come in sort of depleted, discouraged, sad. Others came in thinking they, they're, they're, they're happy about what the day holds and happy about lunch and happy about gifts, but I pray that 
for all of us, God, there would be this deeper, abiding, enduring joy. And just this awareness that Christ has come as Savior. That the the most important matter in all of life is this, this matter of our eternal state. And yet, Christ has come to deal with that. It's your revelation to us about what matters most. And so, help us to find great joy in knowing that we are reconciled with our great and loving God. So give us, give us that, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.